That's great. Why don't you grab a seat? Why don't you grab a seat? It's uh, a great morning to be together. You know, when I was a when I was a kid, I don't know if this uh, made its way to Australia. I grew up uh, a little bit further north of here. I don't know if it made its way here, but there was like this poster. I think it became a book, and then of course a coffee mug, a calendar, uh, you know, everything. And, uh, and it was the, the, the kind of book or the poster, whatever it was called. Everything I needed to know about life, I learned in kindergarten. Did that make its way here? Did you have the coffee mug and the button and the, the things to put on your fridge? It, the whole idea of it was, it kind of listed all these things they teach you in kindergarten. And, you know, even though the things you learn when you, it's like actually, you know, when you're an adult, you reflect on these things. You go, these are really important things. It was things like, you know, share, always share. You know, don't hit people. You know, these are things that you need to know for life. Uh, don't cut in line, you know. Uh, that's kind of, and one of my personal favorites that I do think is important, if you've never heard this one, take a nap every day, you know. <laughs> That's it, right? You know, I mean, how much better would life be? Uh, you know, this is, there's, I always have thought I was meant to be born in a, a siesta culture. You know, some cultures, they have the siesta. That's how lunch happens. And I always think, God, you misplaced me. I was, uh, I would have loved to have been. But uh, the, the whole idea of that and the reason it's so popular is it was like, actually, these are all, they're, they're sort of basics. They're fundamentals of life. That they, they make sense. A child can learn them. But when you're an adult, they take on new layers of meaning and you actually think, you actually reflect on almost a deep, these are foundational truths of, of what life is all about. Maybe not the nap bit, but, uh, you know, sharing and, and actually respecting others. And the, these, are, these are basics. And yet they're powerful when you reflect on them as a mature person. And this morning, what I want to talk about is uh, we're going to talk about uh, a prayer. And we were talking about prayer last week, going through that Prayers That Deepen series. This morning, we're going to talk about the prayer that changes everything. The prayer that changes everything. And that's a big statement. We're always hearing big statements about things. But the prayer that we're going to look at today is a prayer that really, when we reflect on it and really allow it to speak to us, it can change literally everything. No matter what situation you're in, no matter where your life's at, it's a prayer that if it was almost the only thing we had in the scripture, it tells us almost everything we need to know about who God is and how we connect with him. And it's the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer, sometimes because we're so familiar with it, some of us have known it through our whole lives. When I was a kid where I grew up before we played, you know, gridiron, and before our gridiron games as a kid, our, our American football games, we would all stop and take a kneel, the whole football team, and pray the Lord's Prayer together. And I have no idea why. <laughs> Other than like the deliver us from evil seemed to be intended towards, <laughs> towards the opponent. And I'm pretty sure God's will was always for us to win. But... I, I, it's one of those things. It's like a part of culture. If you don't go to church, you've heard it. It's just kind of, it's this prayer that is so familiar, but at times it can lose its power. It's simple enough. We can learn it as a child, yet when you actually hold it up like a diamond, you realize there, there is so much power in this prayer, in these few short verses. And we shouldn't expect any less because this is the very prayer that Jesus, our, our King, our Lord, our Master himself said, when I'm going to teach you how to pray, this is how to pray. And so we're going to reflect on it a bit today. And I'm going to, I'm going to finish this morning. I'm going to challenge actually all of us to, for the next 14 days to consider praying this prayer. To actually take that up and say, daily, what would happen in our lives if we prayed? 
the way Jesus taught his followers to pray. So we're going to have a look at this. Matthew uh, chapter uh, 6 is the, the, where we're going to look at it having been recorded. And he says uh, this. This then is how you should pray. I want to start with just that reflection. Jesus didn't say these are the words. He didn't say go recite this before your games and you might win. He said this is how to pray. This isn't a formula. It's not, a, uh, uh, and not in the sense of, of sort of if you just recite the, these words. No, this is how to pray. And we're going to look at the how of what he's saying. He says this is how you should pray. In fact, let's, just, let's read it together. We're going to read it through together once and then reflect. He said this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. And this, this is how Jesus says to pray. I want to start with, I want us just to walk through, because this prayer changes everything. When we understand, you know, when we just reflect on it and, and actually look at the depth of what he's saying here. This prayer begins with this simple statement. Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. Do you know, this changes everything when we realize our position of who we actually are in this world. If you're familiar with this prayer, we're so familiar, we've known it for so long, we lose the life-altering power of this statement, that God is our Father in heaven. He's the one who created it all, made it all, and he longs to know us. He is the one true, good, perfect Father. And who we are in this world is we are his children. We are his sons. We are his daughters. It changes our position. We don't go through life wondering if there's meaning for us or purpose for us. We don't go through life as orphans with no family. Even if we're the most isolated person in this world, we realize we have a father in heaven who loves us. How does God think of you? He thinks of you like his child. He, he loves you. He has good th- plans for your life. He's your father and he's in heaven. It changes our position, and that is one of the most profound things that can happen in life. And it doesn't just change our position. When we begin to understand that this is who God is, this is how we can speak to him, this is how we can address him, not as those who fear to come before him, but because of Jesus and what he's done, as those who can step into his presence and know him as father. And when we know him as father, it changes what I'm going to call the primacy of our lives. You know, this prayer changes that which is most critically, eminently important in our life. You know, it says, even in the NIV, it says, you know, hallowed be your name. You know, the NIV that we read through, the whole idea of that translation is they're always trying to update the English language to come into a modern context. Hallowed is not a word that we use very often in today's world. And yet they've still kept that old English word because there's very few other words like it that can capture the absolute primacy, the absolute preeminence of God's name in our life. When I search my brain, when do we even say the word hallowed in today's world? You know, one of the only places we ever even kind of use that word is sometimes around sporting grounds. 
You know, I'm a tennis fan. I, I love the game of tennis. And in all the stadiums and tennis courts in the whole world, every year when one tournament rolls around, they talk about the hallowed grounds of the All England Lawn and Tennis Club, Wimbledon. If you've ever been there, you walk through it, it's like nowhere else. The grass, there's no tournaments left virtually anywhere apart from that on grass. It's just, it, and it's, it's, it's the way of saying in lots of sporting arenas, all the hallowed grounds of this arena, and it's ways of saying these are incredibly special places. These are not like just any run of the mill. When, when it talks about hallowed be your name, there is this sense in which it is trying to distinguish there is nothing else in the same category as God's name. You have no rival. You have no equal. That's why we sing those words. Hallowed be your name. Can I tell you something? What I, I know to be true to this. When, when we, to hallow, the reason we, it says hallowed be your name. When we hallow God's name, this is our way of saying, God, your name matters more to me than anything else. I want you to occupy the place of absolute primacy in my life. I thought about saying, you know, it changes our priorities. Can I tell you something? Putting God in the top of your priorities is not even powerful or close enough to what hallowing his name does. It says, you're not like first among the list of, of things that are important in my life. It's a way of saying, there is nothing else in your whole category, and you are the absolutely most critically, eminently important thing in my life. Your name is more important to me than anything else. Do we pray this way? Do we begin our days by saying, Father in heaven, I begin this day saying there is nothing more important to me than your name. Let it be hallowed. Let it be sacred. Let it be the most important thing about my life and who I am today. What would happen if we did? I, I came across this quote in a book I'm, I'm rereading by a guy named A.W. Tozer, and he talks about the idea of exalting God, which is what, you know, choosing to exalt God. And he, he said this. I love this little quote. He says, be thou exalted. This is another way of saying, hallowed be thy name. You be exalted is the language of victorious spiritual experience. It is a little key to unlock the door to great treasures of grace. Such a small thing, and yet it unlocks so many doors. It is central in the life of God and the soul. It's central. Let the seeking man or woman reach a place where life and lips join to say continually, be thou exalted, where our life and our words all come together to say, God, your name be hallowed in my life. Be thou exalted. And a thousand minor problems will be solved at once. The Christian life ceases to be the complicated thing it had been before and becomes the very essence of simplicity. The reason I love that quote is because it, I think it speaks to this idea. When we, when we actually pray the way Jesus taught, when we actually say, God, this is what I want to be true of my life. I want you to be hallowed. I want you to be preeminent. I want my life to exist to exalt you. Not me, not my name, not my world. It's like a thousand other minor problems move to the side. The entire orientation of our lives is completely changed. You know why this prayer changes everything? Because when you put God in the place of primacy in your life, it changes the, the meaning of the things that are happening to you. It changes how you approach life. It, it changes what you think life is about. Because life is no longer about us. It's not about me and my world and my name. Life becomes about God. And that's how we were created to live. 
Life is not about you and I. We're not big enough to be the sun in the center of the universe. Only God is big enough to occupy that space. And when we say, God, hallowed be your name in my life, it changes everything. You pray that first thing in the morning, it will change the experiences you have right throughout that day. It will approach how you see people. It will approach how you uh, handle the challenges and difficulties that come your way. It will it change how you handle the successes that come your way. When you say, my life, and God in my life, hallowed be your name. I want you to be that absolute place of primacy in my life. What happens when we actually do that as well? When we put God, when we say, God, it's about your name. Be thou exalted in my life. Not be me exalted. Be thou exalted. Hallowed be it. When we begin to pray that way and, and to actually allow God to do that in our heart, then it's only natural what happens is the whole purpose of our lives gets transformed. And that's why Jesus begins to pray. He, he says, and then pray this way. Begin to pray. God, your kingdom come. Father, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If this is who God is, and if this is the place he occupies in our life, then we begin to pray around a whole new purpose in life. And our purpose becomes, if it's about his name being hallowed, if it's about him being in the place of supremacy, the purpose of our lives shifts from being my will be done to thy will be done. But that will never make sense. That will never make sense to you and that will never happen in your life until you come to the place of actually recognizing God for the great, awesome, mighty God he is. It, uh, that's it, but it flows naturally from that place of primacy to pray to him, God, I want to see your kingdom come. I want to see your will be done. You know where God's kingdom is? It's wherever his will, his rule, his reign is carried out. You think in terms of an earthly kingdom. You know, uh, kingdoms are not like a democracy. You don't vote for what's going to happen there. You don't kind of say, here's how we think it should happen. Here's what they, kings for good or for bad. They just declare this is the way it is. And, it, and as far as their rule is carried out, as far as their law that they put into effect is carried out, that's the domain of their kingdom. It's the same with God. Wherever his will, his ways are carried out, his kingdom has come. Heaven broken in to earth. Do you know, this is, this is really, and this is an amazing thing. When we begin to pray this, the incredible thing that's happening, when you begin to pray, God, I want to see your kingdom come. I want to see your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are actually beginning to step back into the purpose for which we were created. This realigns us to what God actually created us to do. You go all the way back to the beginning of the scriptures in the book of Genesis. And, and when God created, he created the world. And, and he says, it is good. And he creates mankind and puts in man in the garden. And he says to, to Adam, he says, you know, I, I want you to be fruitful. I want you to increase, to multiply, increase in number. I want you to spread out. And I want you to rule the earth. He says, I want you to subdue the earth. All of this, I am giving to you and saying, you're in charge. Go to, to Genesis 1. This is what God is saying. This is what he created humanity to do. It's God's creation. And he says, and I'm putting you in it. Look after it. Be in charge of it. Rule over it. As, as servants of God. As those made in his image. The, 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 and what, where everything goes wrong. The big picture where everything goes wrong. 
And eating that fruit, in that story, the, the problem is not just God made an arbitrary rule and, and oh, we ate this piece of fruit and that's just the essence, of, the essence of sin and what took place there was mankind, instead of saying, God, your will be done, we said, my will be done. We said, you know, God, you said, you know, this, but I want to be like you, God. I don't, it's not, we're, we don't want God to be in charge. And, but that's what we were created for. And when we begin to now pray, thy will be done. God, I want to see your kingdom come. I want to see your will be done. We go back into the place we were created to be. To be those who steward this incredible world that God's given us. That our purpose becomes to see kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, God's will is obeyed perfectly. It is the perfect domain in which everything that God said goes exactly as he desires. And what happened in Christ, the incredible thing, is that heaven begins to break into this world. He brought heaven down. He's inaugurated his kingdom, and he's now saying to his followers, I want you to pray for this. I want you to labor for this, that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you know something? This is what you were created for. Do you know something for us as a church? This is our mission. We are to be a people who bring heaven to earth, who extend the rule and reign of God in every way here on earth. The other week, a, a, a guy asked me, what do you think the church should look like? I said, that's easy, heaven on earth. And he laughed. And I was like, no, I'm serious. That's what the church should be. It should actually be a slice of heaven on earth because the church is the place where we are to say, God, your will be done, your kingdom. It's the place where we begin all the instructions of scripture of how to relate to one another, where love and mercy and grace and forgiveness are what relationships look like. Where kindness and goodness and gentleness are, are the kinds of people that we are. You know, the Bible pictures in the book of Revelation that one day, what's going to happen when we're all before the great throne of heaven is it pictures this multitude, too great to count, from every tribe and tongue and nation, and they all stand before the throne of God singing praise to God. Can I tell you, Sunday mornings are a slice of heaven. It's what we were created to do. And God envisions a, a group of people too multi you know, too much to count from every tribe and tongue and nation who all come around to say, God, your kingdom come. We lift up your name. We recognize you for who you are. This is the, the purpose, who we are as a church, and, and to labor for it. It's about working, you know, when we see things happen that create a more just world, we're seeing God's kingdom come. One of the things you'll, you'll notice as well, and we've been trying to shift over everywhere we can the things we buy as a church, you know, our water bottles. We want to be, many be familiar with, you know, thank you water. Thank you water is so powerful. I was drinking out of one of those bottles today, and it gives you a little tra tracking number because when you buy their water, it goes to fund uh, solutions that provide water for the poorest in the world. I put my number in on a bottle I drank this morning, and, and, it, and it was a part of creating water for people in a, an incredibly impoverished area of Vietnam. And now there are two wells in this community that service, you know, hundreds of people. When we create a world that actually says, I leverage what I have in my pocket on behalf of the poor, we're seeing God's kingdom come in this world. Everything we do, working for justice, for righteousness, doing things that create beauty, and things that bring people together, all those things 
They, they are a part of, when we, when we see God's power come to bear in someone's life, that is when God's kingdom has come. This is to be the one great focus of what we are all about, to be a people who say our purpose is to see heaven come to earth. We talk about one of our priorities as a church over the next few years is to reimagine evangelism. We want to reimagine evangelism. Evangelism is telling people the good news of what God has done and helping them understand what God has done on their behalf. You know, one of the things we have to reimagine, because the challenge is for, for, for a period of time, evangelism seemed to become about this idea of, I'll tell you how to get to heaven. When the picture in the scriptures is we want to bring heaven to people. We try and give people a, here's how you get to heaven. They don't even know if they want to go there. Whereas when we work to see God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, people get to taste something that they know they want forever. This is why we labor to see God's kingdom come. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's what we want to be all about as a church. We want to be a people focused on bringing heaven to earth. We pray for it to happen. We work together to see it happen. Our lives, where we go, when we go into our workplaces, our study, our, our place of play, we want to be people who say, God, I want to bring your kingdom into this situation. I want to bring your kingdom into this space. I want to see your rule, your will, your reign expanded in this world. You know, Jesus prays this, and, and he, he reminds us of our position before God. We are, he is our father. We can approach him. He says, and, and, and we are to be a people who hallow his name, who recognize he is beyond, he is sacred, he is what is most preeminent in our lives. And our purpose is to work and labor on his behalf. And what happens, these first three kind of orientate us really about what life is all about. And this is why it changes everything. Because we pray these things, it changes the very essence of what life is about. Everything. And when we pray these things and we orientate, if this is what life is about, then the things that we begin to ask for look differently than sometimes what we might have thought to pray for. And we begin to ask, when we ask, now we begin to ask for things like this. God, would you just be my provider? Would you give me what I need for today? The whole idea of, of saying, God, uh, you know, I want to ask you for my daily bread this is about, God, what do I need today? You know, throughout the scriptures, you see these pictures. The people of Israel, as they wandered through the wilderness, God would give them daily bread, just enough for that day. And they relied in faith on his provision. We are to be a people who say, God, I can rely on you in faith to be my provider. And my prayer is that you would provide what I need. We're not to be a people who kind of go to God with all the want list, wish list that, that we can ever imagine where the people say, God, I trust in you and in your provision. God, you're my provider. And as he puts different amounts and different resources in different people's pockets, we become people as well who then say, now the purpose of what's in my pocket is for me to be a part of working to see the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. All this prayer, all these things come together, but I love this prayer because it changes our view of God to go, God, you are my provider. This is who God is. I don't look to the things of this world to be my provider. I say, God, you are my provider, and I can trust in you. And so I just ask you, Lord, would you give me my daily bread? Not only do we pray for God as our provider, we also look to him as the one who gives us our pardon. I, I, I love for these three... I, 
I heard uh, Andy Stanley give a message on this once, and I found it really helpful to have just a few simple words that kind of shape and frame sometimes when I'm praying these things. And, and he talks about, you know, forgiveness. We look to God for our pardon, and we remember that, you know, God is the one who forgives us. And this, the passage talks about, you know, forgive us even as we have forgiven, you know, those who've trespassed against us. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive, you know, as it, there is this incredible picture where you say, God, I know, and this changes this changes our, our posture in life. This keeps us from ever becoming arrogant people or prideful people as we remind ourselves daily, God, I have to look to you for my pardon, for my forgiveness. I, I know I don't get it all right. I know there's things I've done wrong. I know there's ways I let you down here, but God, I look to you and ask that you would just, you would forgive me. That you would be my pardon as I forgive those. And now as people Wrong us as people give us slights. As we perceive wrong or injustice done our way, we are reminded, hey, I need forgiveness as well. So I'm going to forgive that person. Now some people, you know, at times you might read this and go, well, so is that conditional? If we don't forgive others, God won't forgive us? I thought forgiveness was free. Can I tell you something? We sometimes come about this the whole wrong way, thinking what do I have to do to get something? What, God, what Jesus is saying is when you live this way, when you live as a forgiving person and who's forgiven by God, you enter the life of the kingdom. Yeah. It's not about what do I got to do to get this or to get that. It's about actually participating in the divine life, the divine living in forgiveness, experience that this is a lived reality of the kingdom of God on earth. It's experienced as we go to God for forgiveness and as we forgive others. No matter how much we want to hold something against somebody, the more we hold it, the more we cut ourselves off from the very life God offers and invites us into. And this last section of this prayer, he talks about, you know, deliver us, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And this is where we, we recognize when we, this is who God is. This is what life's about. These are the things I need. This is how I live in that in forgiveness. And we recognize that actually this world, this is the nature of the world. There is a conflict between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And so we pray for God's kingdom to come, his will to be done. We are praying that the kingdom of God would go forward in this world. But Jesus kind of points out to, to help us remember and recognize there is a genuine and true spiritual conflict that exists in this world. No one is kind of immune to it or from it, but it is not a source of fear for us because we know that he is our protector. And we pray daily, Lord, would you, would you deliver me from evil? Would you keep me from the things that would tear me from you? Would you deliver us from the evil? Would you be my protector? As I go into this day seeking to take your kingdom, the kingdom, as I seek to bring heaven into earth, would you protect me in all that I do? Would you protect my family? Would you protect our, God, we look to you and we know that we can trust you yes. as our protector. Do you know, I, I just, this prayer, and if you've, like I said, you, you may have never even gone to church, and you're already familiar with it. And sometimes the challenge is we could get so familiar with it, we miss the fact that if we were to be a people who prayed how Jesus says to pray, imagine what would happen in our lives. Imagine those thousand minor problems that we sometimes see and experience, but because we've not aligned ourselves to the life of the kingdom, we experience them completely differently. When we align ourselves 
as this prayer, as we see all these things, that this prayer, that this be that place that it orients our position and who we are in God. You know, it speaks to what is the, the place of absolute primacy in our lives. It speaks to, to the purpose for which we were made. It speaks to this need for provision and looking to who is our provider. It speaks to this need for a pardon and to living in forgiveness. And it speaks to actually saying, God, I trust you as well as my protector. Can I, what would happen in your life and mine if every day began that way? I love this prayer. I mean, I, I don't know about you. Sometimes you get up and you want to pray in the morning and, and, and sometimes, you know, like words just are right there. And sometimes you think, you know, oh, what will I pray? I've, I, I love this prayer and the, the simplicity of these things because it constantly gives a, a place to begin in prayer and to actually come before God with these things that we know are his priorities for, for our lives because it's how Jesus himself told us to pray. Imagine what would happen in our lives. This is why I want to I encourage you over the next <clears throat> two weeks, 14 days. There's always 14-day challenges, 21-day challenges, 31-day challenges, do push-ups, dump ice on one another, whatever it is. <laughs> Let, what would happen if just for 14 days, this next two weeks, every single day, every one of us, the first thing we did in the morning was just to pray this. My morning's tough. i got to fly out the door. I, I start work super early. Every one of us can begin our day by, by, by rolling out of our bed, kneeling before we do anything else, and praying this prayer. This isn't, this isn't we don't have to have a, a 4 a.m. prayer challenge for the next two weeks. And we all post pictures of what we look like at 4 a.m. <laughs> I, I nominate, you know, it's... A, but what would happen if every one of us, and what would happen to our church? Do you know the way I, I tend to pray this often when, I'm, when I do pray this? I pray it for myself, I pray it for my family, and I pray it for our church. And whenever I don't know what to pray for our church, I always come back to this prayer. And I say, God, God, you know, would you be what is most exalted? And I say, God, would, would you enable us to live out the purpose for which you've brought us to be? Would you enable us to be a part of your kingdom purpose? May as a church, may that be what we labor for. I pray that God would be our provider, that he provide all that we need as we go on that mission. I pray that he would forgive us because we fall short, and starting with me, and I know that we do, and I pray that God would just forgive us of what we've done. And I pray that you protect us. And when I pray that, I, I, I begin my, it, it changes everything for me. And I pray that for myself. And I pray that I would be about those purposes. And I pray that God would forgive me. And I pray that I would forgive those that I need to. And God, show me if there's anybody that I'm holding on to bitterness. Because that's, I, I want to live in your forgiveness. And I, I pray that God would protect. And I pray those things for my family. And I say, God, would you be our family's provision? Would you provide what we need, our, our daily bread? And would you, be, uh, would you forgive us? And would you protect us? And would you watch over us? And can I tell you, it's one of the single greatest ways to begin your day. You know, we talk often about bringing our best to God, bringing what's first to God. What would happen if we brought the first moments, the first things we said, the first things that we were thinking about were simply to just pray this prayer and to orientate ourselves around the kingdom life that God desires for us. You know, that 14 days from now, one of the reasons as well that I think 14 days, I thought about for seven days or 14, 14 days from now, as a church, We'll be launching in two locations. We are two weeks away. 
Next week will be our last Sunday as one church in one location. Then that next Friday night, we're going to have an incredible party. If you've not kind of, you know, reserved your spot because we can only fit so many at a time, I encourage you to get on the app, reserve your spot. We're going to have an incredible party where we celebrate our Father in Heaven and all that He's done as our provider. It's going to be a phenomenal night right across our entire church. It's going to be, and, and so 14 days from now, and, and even as we've approached this moment, if you remember even if, as we started the launch pad, we talked about Elijah in that moment and how he brought everything. He built the altar, and we've been preparing, and people have been serving, and we've been bringing in all those things, but the last thing Elijah did before that explosive moment is it says, Elijah stepped forward and he prayed. And I want to, I want to challenge you, church, what would happen over this next 14 days as we prepare to launch into a new era at both of our campuses and launch a brand new work up in the far northern suburbs up in Merrill. As, what, would, what would happen if in the 14 days as we went forward every single day, look across this room, imagine every single person in this room praying this prayer for our church. Imagine what would happen. Imagine it. And, all, and it's just about us saying, this is how to pray. And imagine what would happen in our lives. You know, the great thing about a prayer like this is if you pray it as for yourself as an individual, and I pray it for myself as an individual, and you pray it for your family, and I pray it for my family, it's almost like this prayer is a tuning fork. And as we all pray it together, it's like we're just become like this, it's almost like the movement of God's people begins to break out. And his kingdom comes, and his will is done. And heaven comes to earth. Can I invite you? Can I challenge you? Can I say this next 14 days, every one of us, what if we, I'd encourage you to begin the day, the very first thing you do. I think there is something powerful about saying, God, I give you the first. Before I check, before I even check Facebook, that early, that soon. You know who you are. <laughs> serious. That is, that is serious. This, there, there is nothing stopping any one of us. You know, if we were just to begin the very first thing about it, imagine it. 14 days. You know what? After 14 days, if you're not finding it, it's still helpful. That's what you change. But I, what if for 14 days? And, and this is the thing again. This is not about, I'm going to get up and just going to recite this, but it's about, you know, capture the meanest. Lord, you're my father. Thank you. Thank you I can know you and love you today. Lord, you know, I, I, I pray that you would just be exalted in my life today. I pray you would be most important. Lord, I want to hallow your name. You know, Lord, and I want to I be about your purpose. And I pray that today I would actually be focused on your will and not mine. Your kingdom, not mine. Lord, I pray you just provide what we need. I got worries, got stresses, but Lord, would you, would you provide? I trust you're my provider. And Lord, I, I know I won't get it all right. And I pray that you just forgive me those times I, I fall a little bit short. And Lord, help me to forgive those who do that with me. And Lord, would you be my protector? I don't know what's going to come at me today. I don't know what I'm facing. But Lord, would you be my protector? Imagine if the next 14 days, every one of us prayed the way Jesus taught us, invites us to pray. Can I pray for us this morning? The band's going to come up. I'm going to invite these guys up. And we're going to sing, I, I want to sing, actually, if we could just sing that, um, yeah, one more time. We're just going to lift up that name of Jesus. And one more time, uh, just exalting him. The song we, we sing about the beautiful name of Jesus. This is one of the ways we declare that hallowing of his name. 
It's one of the ways we honor him as the, it is only because of him, it is because he has no rival, has no equal, that we can come before the throne room of our Father. Would you stand with me? And I want to just pray for us as we, and we're just going to sing that through one more time. Maybe hold out your hands if you'd like to, if, if this is, you know, if True North is your kind of home church, this is just a moment. I just want to pray for us as a church and as a people. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we recognize you as Father today. Recognize it is you who's brought us together. And Lord, our heart's desire as a people and as your church is to hallow your name, to lift it up above everything else. And we ask that, Lord, you would give us uh, an empowering by your Holy Spirit that you've left for us to be able to do just that, to lift you up. Even when we're tempted not to, Lord, by your spirit, may we exalt you over all. Lord, as your people, we recognize our purpose, what we were made for, is to expand your kingdom, your domain, your will, your rule, your way. Lord, we want to be a part of bringing heaven to earth. Would you help us to do it in our workplaces? Would you help us to do it in our families, in our homes, in our sports clubs, in our schools? Would you help us to be a people who bring heaven to earth? in our interactions with people, in, in the ways we use our time and our resources, may we be a part of bringing heaven to earth. Lord, we pray you would be our provider. Lord, for every one of us in this room, when we're tempted to look so many places for provision, may we look to you. Would you give us what we need to accomplish the things that you desire? Lord, we come to you knowing we are a people in need of forgiveness a people who need your pardon. We thank you. You secured it on the cross in Christ. And we acknowledge our own shortcomings and limitations and pray that you would forgive us and enable us to be a forgiving people, that we would forgive one another. We would not hold things against people even as you have not held things against us. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, we pray that you would be our protector. We entrust ourselves to you. We know that there is no, you have no rival, you have no equal, and all our trust in, is in the name of Jesus. And we ask that you would be our protector and you would lead us forward as we take your kingdom forward in every arena, in every domain, that the name of Jesus be lifted up. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's sing.